Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-791-3232 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-791-3232. That's 800-791-3232. Employees of J.D. Milberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-913-8914. That's 800-913-8914, 800-913-8914. Are you getting the most out of your Medicare plan? Are you sure? You'll want to write down a very important phone number that can assure you're receiving your full benefits. Many people with Medicare are eligible for plans that include extra benefits, in addition to those found in original Medicare. Benefits like dental, vision, and prescription drug coverage. Call now at 1-800-521-7617 to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free and there's no obligation to enroll. In addition to hospital and medical coverage at no extra cost, you can also get coverage for prescription drugs, dental, hearing, vision, and more. In many areas, Plans with benefits are available with $0 copays for many services, $0 monthly premiums, or $0 deductibles. That's hospital, medical, prescription drug, dental coverage, and more included in one plan with premiums that may be as low as $0 a month. Call now to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free and there's no obligation to enroll. Call 1-800-521-7617. That's 1-800-521-7617. Moving can be one of the most stressful things you'll ever do. And at Moving APT, we specialize in taking the stress and strain out of your move. Whether you have a one-bedroom apartment or a 10-bedroom mansion, you can feel safe and confident that Moving APT will get the job done on time, hassle-free, and at the guaranteed lowest price. That's right, we will meet or beat any quote. That's our price match guarantee. At Moving APT, we never sacrifice quality or service. 
Licensed, bonded, and insured, you always get the best price. So if you're planning an out-of-state move within the next 30 to 60 days and you need a full-service moving company, you owe it to yourself to give us a call. We do it all, packing all your belongings, moving and unpacking. Leave the stress and strain behind and call Moving APT, America's number one interstate movers, now. For a free quote, give us a call. 800-209-9350. Hi, my name is Joe Cotton, publisher of Cotton's Technically Speaking, a weekly online investment letter. Don't ever buy a stock without looking at a two-year chart of the stock. Otherwise, you can't tell if you're buying at an historic high or low price. You can go to www.stockcharts.com to get the chart. Put in the stock symbol at the top of the page and make it an OHLC bars chart, not candlesticks. Change the volume to separate and uncheck the log scale. That's all you need to do. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I have spent the last 17 minutes right. trying to um, walk somebody through the magic of Skype. So, can, you, <laughs> can, can you hear me, my friend? Can you hear me at all? Can you hear me at all, my friend? Because I'm, let me see if I can get IQ in here. Uh, technology is against us today. Is it Mercury retrograde? Is that what's going on? Is Mercury retrograde happening? We'll see if IQ will pick up the horn here. Maybe it's my fancy mic. Maybe my fancy mic doesn't work. I've had other fancy mics that don't work in the past. And IQ is unavailable. So, let me see if I can get Sean in here, maybe. Where is Charles Demokas? Charles Demokas. Mr. Charles Moskowitz. There he is. Biggest star in the business. I can't get Skype to let me out! Oh my God! Technology just sucks. Technology just sucks. Testing one two. I've got you, Dan. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Testing one two. We're gonna see if I can go into the missed call <laughs> here. I'll just hang him up, and we'll call him back. Uh, technology is against us. Hello. Okay. Can you hear me? Oh, thank goodness I can. Yeah. Perfect. So. Okay. Well, let me see if I can get Dan in here who was having some issues hearing me. So we'll see if, and then of course it won't let me get out so I can get back in. Oh, what was so wrong with the typewriter? Dennis Kucinich was on to something when he wrote his book with the typewriter. <laughs> James? Yes. Can you hear me, Dan? Yes, sir. Okay. I well, I was just... We, we, we have been having all sorts of fun today with technology. <laughs> I interviewed Dennis Kucinich earlier today, and Dennis said he wrote his entire book with a typewriter, and I'm like, what was so wrong with the typewriter? Yeah, it worked so, well. <laughs> so we have a great guest joining us today here on our broadcast. Sean Casemore is with us. He is a uh, fantastic individual. He is here to talk about 
nine ways that artificial intelligence can increase your sales in 2021. And uh, we have got the fabulous Dan Perkins with us as well. So, Sean, lay it out here to me and Dan. How do we use artificial intelligence? And uh, I know that Dan and I are going to have some questions for you. Well, I, I think you have to start with, you know, started at an organizational level, right? So what I find is AI, th there's a lot of technology out there. And the, the one that I often refer to is chatbots, just, just because we've all encountered them being on different websites where the intuitive nature of the chatbots is able to, you know, take your response to a, a pre-canned question and then provide further information. So we're all very accustomed to that. But what's really happening on the other side is, is that AI is offering opportunities to do a lot of forecasting because it can assess and analyze data and information based on customer buying behaviors and habits and then make forecasts and predictions. So th there's all sorts of different opportunities to incorporate AI. But what I, what I often tell folks is make sure you're really solid on what your process is first because it's not like AI is going to replace your entire sales team and, and you know, Bob's your uncle and away you go. It's about saying if you have a proven process, identifying what AI is going to support that process and make things you know, happen in a more efficient manner, provide you the forecasting you need, et cetera. So, I mean, that's where I really begin because a lot of people are looking for the magic bullet. And like everything else, AI isn't the magic bullet. It's a complementary tool that can only add Add to your effectiveness in selling. That's awesome. Sean Casemore with us today. You can get more information on his website, SeanCasemore.com. So, Dan, you, sure. you, you, you are a man about town. You're a best-selling author. You are on the cutting edge of societal evolution. What kind of questions here do you have for Sean? Well, ooh, got an echo there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> surprised me. Uh, Sean, um, I think that there's a lot of confusion as to what artificial intelligence really is. Mm -hmm. Isn't it a collection of data that you use computer processing capability to try, try and crunch the data to give you the best possible outcome? Yeah, essentially, yeah. The, the the other example I would share that most of us are accustomed to, if you've ever been into Salesforce, Salesforce uses Einstein. You, you might even recall, remember back when it wasn't Microsoft Word, it was, um, what was it called where that little guy would come up and make recommendations? <laughs> the, like 15, the little paperclip guy, the paperclip yeah, guy. That, I mean, that was in the simplest <laughs> form, that was AI. So yes, it is software that mm -hmm. is programmed to capture data and then use that data to make predictions based on the, you know, the, the pre-programmed, if you will, um, information that we, we enter. So um, I, I think what, what's really happening here, Einstein has been a great tool. It's been around forever, and it allows sales teams to be able to navigate reams and reams of information that they've populated that otherwise they might not be able to do. So, yeah, yeah, the simplest form, that's exactly what AI is. But when you think about <clears throat> when you think about what's going on, and you say to yourself, "No, wait a minute," uh, if in fact uh, it is a collection of data, then the real issue is how current is the data. And in in some environments, things are changing faster than the data can change. Yeah. 
to get programmed into the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm I'm thinking about a story that I read today, <clears throat> where they called it a hack, but I don't I don't or cyber th- uh, cyber uh, blackmail or whatever. But the the uh, the Brazilian company that has about twenty percent of the world's beef market has been shut down by hackers who've come in and and used ransomware to get into the computers and have shut down the company. They can't get, they can't process because they don't know where to ship it. They know how to kill the cows, 22,000 a day, but they don't know where to ship them. And, and, uh, and so they, they can't store them. So they're, they're shutting it down and they've gone to the administration. They've gone to the Biden administration to help them figure out, how to handle um, hacking and cyber threats and and those kinds of things. And then they're probably going to be pretty good at that, hopefully coming up with an answer. But we had the situation not too long ago where we had a company, uh, the oil, comp- oil pipeline company, if you remember, on the East Coast, who sh- they got hacked and they shut down. And, and the flow of oil in the pipelines, which drove up the price of crude oil, and so collecting data and going in and studying the computer systems uh, about what's going on uh, created the opportunity for these two organizations, whoever they were, to come in and hack into the systems and virtually shut down the companies. So is the, th- is the, the um, thirst for artificial intelligence actually creating exposure to our data systems that we can't protect. Well, it's it's a good question, um, and I think as you as you mentioned, I mean, cybersecurity is a whole another realm, right? If it, based on what's happening today, cyber criminals, if I can call them that, are getting more complex. And as we as as people and organizations rely more and more on data, obviously it puts us at risk, and we have to take the necessary precautions uh, to do so. But a lot of the organizations that I've worked with, the way that they're using AI, it's to take existing data and to, uh, you know, in simplest forms, run that data and reposition the data so they can pull out of it insights that otherwise they might not have. Because you can imagine, you know, if you take a large multinational corporation that has hundreds and hundreds of salespeople, the amount of information in their CRM system, just as a simple example, right? If they're using Salesforce or HubSpot or what have you, the amount of information in there, if you ask them, well, I want you to comb through your customers and identify some trends around when you sold, how long did it take you to actually go from you know connecting with the customer to making the sale, right? Just pick up on some basic fundamental measures because then we can make some predictions. Well, that exercise can take weeks uh, if there's if there's enough customers and you're asking a person to do it so where i've seen ai be really effective in sales is it's taking existing information that's already been pulled into a crm system as an example and then really running that data and information to provide specific um actionable items if you will right so you know another one that i mentioned here in the article was clearbit clearbit connect where they're going out and actually scraping the internet for existing information Right. So there's different ways to approach it. But, you know, you you have to look at AI typically in a sales environment is taking the information we already have and simply helping us sort through it and identify trends and data that we may not be able to get through ourselves. Because, you know, you'd rather have your salespeople out selling 
than actually in, you know, searching through the CRM and trying to come up with information. And, you know, if you can avoid hiring somebody to do that, then that's the better solution versus actually just, you know, trying to use a, a software tool to do so. All right. One of the, one of the things that I've spoken to, I spoke to all three of my sons, uh, three of my four sons over the weekend. Um, the second oldest is an entrepreneur. He works from his house. He's worked from his house long before the pandemic. He's a self-starter. The other two have historically worked in offices. And they've been working remotely from home for almost a year and a half. And I talked to them about, are you going, if the company companies call, are you going back to the office? Are you going to go in and live in the office? And they weren't sure. They weren't sure. And uh, the youngest one said, you know, I, I feel like I'm just as productive. But the issue in the case of sales, uh, a lot of the data that you're talking about is comes from transactional data. Some of it does, yeah. What, where, whatever business it's in. But I, I believe that the, the process of how sales are being made and have been made for the last year and a half are not in anybody's database because it's totally different than the way we've done business in the past for decades, if not centuries. We're, we're expecting a sales force to sell without actually seeing or touching are speaking directly to, in person, the customer. And so all you're going to get is, is pure transactional data, but other stuff that will help you establish how people think, what's going on, what are the trends that are going on in the industry. Aren't they going to be harder to get because of the pandemic? Well, and, and I think it would really depend on the sectors or industries that we're, we're speaking of. Uh, the clients that I work with, that's anything from insurance agencies to manufacturers to distributors. Um, you know, they're still selling and they still have people selling. Uh, but the example I use with Salesforce. So if you think about if, if I if, if you are a potential customer, you know, what would typically happen in most organizations is once we connect, I would get some basic information for you from you and plug that into my CRM system. And mm -hmm. then if I'm if I'm using that system to actually connect with you, I can make my calls through that system and the CRM will log those calls. I can send you emails to the CRM and the CRM will log those. So it creates a record, which is <clears> good <throat> from the standpoint of well, under, understand where we left off. If I want to, uh, if something happens and I quit the company, at least there's still some information there for the next person to pick up on. So at a fundamental level, that's what CRM would provide. And in the example I shared, one of the examples I shared in here, people are still in most industries selling, but to your point, they can't necessarily go in and meet with somebody. The, the challenge I've seen is that when the pandemic hit, a lot of the organizations and the salespeople that were used to selling face-to-face, -face, you, you kind of panic because you think, okay, what do I do now? I, I can't travel and visit you and walk into your building. And even now, as things begin to open up, what, what's tending to happen is, in my experience, is some companies are saying, well, look, we don't want salespeople in here anymore. Our people are either at home still or you know we don't want them bringing something in here so this is going to you know continue on for some time but what's happened is a lot of sales professionals have found new ways to connect right we still have believe it or not one of the best tools that you could have used during the pandemic was your phone because people were still using their phone and they were sharing their phone number their cell number even their home number in some cases mm -hmm. um, but also you can use you know if you have live chat 
Uh, I mentioned chatbots earlier on your website. If you have somebody's number, you can always text them if they're willing to text you. Email, although everybody is getting buried in it, is still an effective way to reach. So sales, it, you know, sales interactions, sales people are still selling, but they've been forced to find ways to do so without seeing people face to face. But that isn't necessarily new because you know, for, for salespeople that have been selling for a long time, there's always been situations where you've had to deal with a customer that you only get to see them once every year or two. So it, it isn't that unusual. But for those people that are used to selling constantly in a face-to-face environment, like maybe a car dealership, it was an initial shift. But, you know, people have, as we are, we're human beings, we're able to overcome and we found new ways to do that. So if you look at the example of, you know, capturing data, as you mentioned, that is already out there based on transactions, you know, those transactions continue, right? A lot of times they're logged in the cloud, they can still be accessed. But from a sales standpoint, if you're using a CRM system, that's the example I go back to most often because it tends to be the most common use of AI, that information is still being input, right? I'm just not going and seeing you and then putting it in. I'm calling you and putting it in. I'm emailing you and putting in, et cetera. So, yeah. Is there any particular industry that is in your opinion behind the times of using ai uh, i find it's more company specific than industry specific i mean you know i i know and i'll just take a, an example manufacturers have been one of the longest standing industry the, the industrial revolution manufacturers have been around a long time but you know i can walk into one manufacturer who is still using you know the the computers back in the 80s with the the little monitor on the on the big plate and and uh, they're still using spreadsheets for everything and you walk into the next one and it's fully you know automated with robotics in the plant floor so i, I mean it's really company specific how how much has that company really focused on using you know uh, technology automation in order to advance you know i go into one insurance broker where you know, it's very kind of old school. We pick up the phone. We can't do lunch anymore. So I'm sending people gift cards for coffee or for lunch, right? So they can, we can still get on Zoom and kind of fake a lunch, whereas others are very modern and they're reaching out using, um, you know, a different online means they're running ads and social media. So, so it, I haven't found, you know, any specific trends around are there industries that are really far behind in using AI? It's more company specific. And a lot of times that comes back to the, the company culture, right? What does the owner and the leadership team view as necessary? If you're just making simple widgets and shipping them down the street to to another company and that affords you the business that you're happy with, maybe you don't need any automation or AI or anything like that. And that's that's fine, right? But if you're trying to ship internationally or, or at least across the country, then you probably need to introduce some level of technology for sure. Is there any um, particular industry that has has excelled at util- utilizing AI more so yeah. than it? Yeah, I, again, I, I think it, it's more company specific. I mean, I can give you examples. So the examples I've shared already, I'll, I'll come back to them. So I had a client now a few years ago where they you know, were used to the old way of selling. They would go and meet with somebody, shake their hand, go mm-hmm. for a meal, right? That's how they sold. So I took a look just at the data online as far as how many people were coming to their site, which you can go into to Google and you can take a look at that data pretty quickly. And they were getting a lot of people visiting their site. So I, I asked them, well, you know, when people come to your site, do you know where they're coming from? If somebody, if you get somebody in the phone and they inquire, do you figure out how they found you, right? Where are they coming up with your website and how is that connecting you to customers? So I said, let's try an experiment. Let's put just a little chat module initially on your website and see if we can engage with people. Well, 
it was the first couple of weeks and they had six new sales in the chat module and they sell something that's always been done face-to-face. -face. Now they had to change their conversion, right? Typically they would go meet then from the meeting that have some calls, emails, proposal, et cetera. Now it was kind of a chat to a phone call to an email. So it did change that process a little bit, but it, it really is company specific. And then they went to scheduling chat bots because we were able to start to ask customers, what are the typical questions you, you're asking or you're looking for when you visit the website? So a lot of times it's just, you know, if you look at your company, you find out from your customers, how do they find you? And when they find you, what questions do they have that, and if those are repeat questions, you can use things like AI number one to figure that out if you have the data. But if not, you can sometimes use AI to help you like a simple chat bot to answer those questions, which will allow you to kind of take your customers and segment them a bit before you talk to them, right? Who, who can I help immediately with what we have off the shelf versus somebody else that may want something custom versus somebody else that is just looking to compare price or kick tires. So um, what do you, where is the industry evolving to? What's the next big step? That, that, that is the big question. What, what I'm seeing is, so if, if you go back, um, I don't know, let's say 10, 15 years ago, ERP was a big thing, right? Having some sort of centralized software that you can use to run your company. Now that was more popular in some industries than not. But what seems to be happening is um, it, just, just rather than having these multiple little software solutions that you know, organizations use. So I got a CRM over here that I use for my database for people. And over here, I've got, you know, some accounting software. And over here, I've got, you know, something else. There's, there's um, Power BI is an example where there's software coming in that overarches all these other softwares to provide you the, you know, at a, at a higher level, the data and information that's necessary. So the trend that I'm seeing is that, you know, as these little pieces of software for example, evolve. And as AI itself evolves, it becomes a sense of where is the overarching software that can run all this stuff and manage it? Because having something that helps me, if, if I have, and I'll go back to using the same example to stick with the train of thought, if I have a chat bot that, that's fielding questions from people to visit my website, and it drives them today to, to, to me to have a call, and then we have a call and then I go in and I type that information into my CRM system. Well, could the chat bot connect with my CRM and do that for me? Right. So there's kind of one level back. And then if it can and I find from that there needs to be follow up happening, can that follow up happen automatically? Can an email be scheduled and sent with some basic information automatically without me doing it? So just as an example, what's happening is software is evolving and now we're getting software that's taking over for the software. So that we have to be less involved in being able to piece this stuff together. So, um, as the world is becoming s smaller and smaller, <laughs> we're seeing more and more examples of of what's the word? I don't want to say corruption. Um, more and more challenges yeah. of protecting the intellectual property yep. from cyber attack and cyber accusation. Uh, where is that? technology headed? I, I couldn't speak to that technology specifically. I, I'm more a sales expert than I am a technology expert. But I think as you brought forward earlier, the, the, the challenge is keeping up with all of the threats that are you know being created from a cyber standpoint. As, as fast as there's a solution to ward off the latest ransomware attack, there's 
you know, somebody else creating something new. And the challenge is keeping ahead of that. And as, as it's businesses, as companies, as we continue to rely more and more on this information and continue to move information from our servers to the cloud, there's a lot greater risk. I just had a, another email recently. Um, I can't remember who the service was, but it said, you know, your, your information may be at risk. We need to let you know. And I thought like, this is just going to continue. So there's a continued advancement. I have a friend that has a, a cybersecurity company uh, and, and I can't tell you that I understand everything he talks about, but his business is going through the roof, especially since COVID, because so much has moved online, obviously. There's so much more data. And now companies have not only some computers at the company itself, they've got people with laptops at home, they have people with company cell phones, and, and all this data needs to be protected. And all it takes, phishing scams seem to be the biggest risk that a lot of the business owners I talk to are concerned about because all it takes is some email that comes in that you know one employee clicks thinking it's you know it's it's relevant or it's accurate and it's not I know I know the owner of a, a very large organization uh, he told me this this is about a year ago now where he was traveling out of country overseas and his CFO called him and the CFO said, look, I'm just trying to pull the funds together right now. I'll send them to you shortly. And he said, what funds? What are you talking about? Well, somebody had taken, somehow taken the exact format of his email, his signature, even how he'd word it, and had emailed as a phishing scam the CFO saying, please deposit these funds. And they even knew the CEO was overseas. They said, I need these funds to secure this new supplier. And it had nothing to do with him. So he immediately went to the authorities in his area. They were able to stop and, and figure out who this was. But the, the phishing scams themselves are probably the scariest because they can literally mimic an email that you'd expect to get from somebody asking you for something that that person really doesn't want. So, you know, from a sales perspective, what's the risk? You know, I, I think it's more an employee risk than anything else. But but I think on the sales side of it, what's happening and what I've seen, what my clients have seen is as we ratchet up the spam filters, it's harder and harder for emails to get through. And if an email can't get through and I'm trying to connect with a prospect or a customer, they don't get my email. That's a problem in sales. But that's why I've been telling my folks, always use the phone to call first. It's not cold calling. It's getting somebody's attention and getting them to search through their email or in their spam folder for your email uh, so that you can make sure you can connect with them and hopefully they can white label you. Um, I wrote, um, I wrote a, a trilogy plus one book uh, on uh, terrorism against the United States. And yeah. in one of the books, I talked about the vulnerability of businesses storing data on the cloud. Yeah. And I used an ex a true example of a facility um, in outside of Chicago, um, operated by Hewlett Packard, that at, at that time when I wrote the book was one of the largest server farms in the world. And Hewlett Packard at the time had 65 server farms globally. They shrunk it down to six and they put them all in the United States. Instead of keeping them globally, they, they shut down the number, built these huge centers and brought them into the United States. That, and, and so what I was trying to explain to the readers in the book if a server farm gets hacked, you're toast mm -hmm. because yeah. you're, you're, the cloud, we've moved so much of our information, our software and our files to the cloud. If the cloud is corrupted, 
we can't do anything. Yeah. We can't function. And and it just as uh, I agree with you that more and more people are moving away from uh, uh, their own servers to creating servers that have operating systems that the, the people in the company use in the cloud to operate the businesses. And you don't have to hack. In fact, in the in the story, um, a lot of people don't know that blade servers generate an enormous amount of heat. Mm. And this facility in outside of uh, Chicago had two full-blown power substations. Wow. I mean, it was that massive. And but it wasn't to power the computers. It was to power the air conditioning systems. To keep things cool. Cool. And and I was speaking to an expert as I was writing the book. You know, if you if you take out the power, the air conditioning power, those 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 computers are gonna get fried yeah. very quickly. Yeah. And it's and it's gone. And so we're we in in order to tr- quote to be pr- productive, we're moving more and more of our technology out of our control and putting it into a third party, whether it's sales or operating. And we we create a huge vulnerability if there's an attack on the cloud. So yeah. what is it, what do you do? What is what is a what does the president of a company do? Well, again, I think the best you can do from a three, you know, kind of a threefold prong approach. And again, I'm not an expert in cybersecurity uh, by any means. But to me, it's a matter of a making sure you have you know the best um, precautions in place. So monitoring, you know, testing from a standpoint of uh, one, as I mentioned, a friend of mine has a, a cybersecurity company. They do a lot of uh, trying to break into their client systems to try and figure out where the vulnerabilities are. So that kind of testing, uh, training of your employees to recognize and to flag if an event, they get an email that seems a little bit out of the norm, right? What, what do I do about that? And the third is, is really a little bit, uh, there's a, I would say a little bit of luck involved. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't know when you're going to be hit by something, but if you have a plan in place. So I know an organization that uh, dealt with ransomware and they had to learn as they went. But one of the things they've learned is that there are companies that rent servers. And if you do your daily backups, even though they're, you know, they were in a situation of ransomware, they were able to rent a server, put their backups on the server. And they were up and running with losing very little data. But again, they weren't using the cloud. So, you know, the article that I put together was really around sales performance because that's where I spend my time is is how are organizations accelerating their sales. And AI is one of those tools uh, that can be used at all levels. You can you can get very advanced AI, but a lot of the applications I've seen is where they're using it for things like taking existing information that that, that they already have and using it for forecasting, making predictions, prompting sales professionals for follow-up so that people don't have to try and track all this stuff themselves. So mm-hmm. it can be, you know, it can be useful. But as you mentioned, with any software, and as our reliance on software uh, and, and putting information in the cloud grows, there, there are obviously tremendous risks with that for sure. So where do you think of your next biggest opportunity? Where's, where, where are you going to grow? Uh, well, from the standpoint of my business or me personally, your business. Well, I, I work with companies all across North America. Uh, it can't travel to see as many of them as I used to, obviously. Uh, but you know, for me, it's, a, it, it's, 
it's working with the teams and the people in sales to help connect. So we talked earlier about every, it's always company specific, right? You can't really look at a sector industry and say, well, this, this company or this sector is advanced. Um, which you tend to find is different companies are at different levels. And, you know, if you look at when the pandemic hit, there were companies that struggled with how do I sell now? I'm used to having people out on the, you know, feet on the street and that's dead. Now what do I do? Um, so that's where I typically step in and say, okay, here's what I'm seeing others are doing, right? Or here's what I've helped other companies similar to yours do to navigate this environment. Uh, and then from there, we do some testing and, and make sure it works for them and they're on their way. So, you know, I consult in this area and I'm actually working a, you're two ahead of me. I've got two books and I'm uh, working on my third right now, which is, um, uh, anyways, it'll be coming out soon. But my second book is The Unstoppable Organization. And it really talks not about the technology side as much. It's just more about the foundation of building a strong business that connects you know, closely with your customers and, and uses really empowerment with your employees at all levels to move the business forward. Software to me, technology to me is, is not the lead it's a tool to be used to help the organization perform. And I think the biggest challenge that any organization faces is when they're, when they need technology, they're not always understanding what's the best technology for me. They tend to, you know, somebody brings them a technology and then they say, okay, let's try that. And then they have to change what they're doing to fit the technology versus a technology changing to fit them. So uh, for me, it's continuing to do what I do, hopefully getting back to seeing some people once in a while and uh, continuing to kind of stay at the cutting edge of what are top performing organizations doing to sell uh, so that I can help other companies introduce very similar practices. I happened to interview a gentleman uh, this morning um, with a company that has created what I think is an amazing piece of software. He is, he's built a huge database collecting information like you were suggesting. Yeah. And he can go, uh, this is a specific business. This is a, providing information for people who want to start a cannabis business, yeah. uh, uh, whether growing it or distributing it. And he has collected data so that his new program offers the, the buyer to go in and look at virtually any market in the country. Mm-hmm. And he has tons of information about who's buying, what are they buying, how often do they buy it, how old are they, um, and uh, how do they get to the store to buy, or they're taking delivery. And he's going to be able to help people who want to get into the cannabis business uh, do all the market research that wasn't available before. We had to go and pound on doors or ask people or try and collect your own information. It's a fabulous piece of software yeah. and um, reasonably affordable. Um, and uh, and then what happens is um, another company that I interviewed this afternoon uh, in the same industry um, has developed a piece of software that says, so we don't know, and Sean doesn't know for sure what he wants in terms of a, a cannabis item. So the computer has a screen where you answer certain questions. When you answer the questions, then the data is communicated to a local dispensary. And a bud tender gets the information and he makes a recommendation on video and sends it to the customer. Wow. A video of here are the things based on what you told us 
you should probably consider buying and then asking for the order over through the video. Yeah. And there's a, at the bottom of the screen where the video is, is a place to order. I I just find it to be a fascinating thing because one of the problems, that's what I was asking you earlier about, are there any industries that have been less adopters of uh, uh, artificial intelligence? A lot of people, quote, mom and pops are in the cannabis business Mm-hmm. And they don't have any contact management software at all. Yeah, they're waiting. They they run specials and they wait for people to come in the door. Yeah, and and if you have contact management software about what people are thinking, what they're interested in, what they do, you can motivate people to come into your store and buy a lot of stuff. Yeah, you can. There's a, I think it's geo targeting, geo caching. It there's a software that exists where, and, and I had talked to a, another friend of mine as a marketing agency, and he was telling me where they can introduce the software. So if there was an event happening and you wanted to go to that event in, in the past, what would happen is you would buy a booth, right? As a, as a mm-hmm. company, you buy a booth and you'd set up the booth and you'd, you'd be there and you'd wait for people to come to you. But what they can do with this software is they can actually through cell phones, track people that are uh, there, where they are, where they're from, they can collect information on those people. And again, I'm not the expert in the technology, but such that then you have a way to know who's there and who you should connect with while you're there um, versus sitting and waiting for people to come to you. So um, the, the advancements in technology are tremendous. Um, but again, to me, it's all about uh, you know a company that starts fresh and new may have the opportunity to to make step changes in how they approach things. But most companies that exist aren't going to transform overnight into a completely automated you know, system of some kind. So right. it's about taking the people that they have, the processes that they have, and then saying, well, what technology can we introduce here that will automate so that you don't have as you know don't have, don't have to rely as much on people to do low value work where they're just maybe sorting through data or emailing so they can focus on you know other more important things uh, but then if that information can also help the organization sell more understand customer trends and behaviors make forecasts all the better right so that's where ai is really advancing sales with with all you know all organizations in all sectors because there's so many options and opportunities as to how you introduce it good thank you jim back to you well i'll tell you you have been a fantastic today sean uh, oh wow! You have, Thanks. Uh, you have <laughs> you have answered me and Dan's uh, questions on 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 everything. It seems uh, that th- this has been a fantastic interview. Uh, as we wrap up here with everybody, let's start with Dan. Dan, how do we uh, get in touch with you and bring us up to speed on your uh, nonprofit and everything else you got going on, my friend? Well, the 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 website that it takes you to wherever you want to go in Dan Perkins' world is danperkins.guru. Um, we started three weeks ago, our new radio show, radio and television show called black and white. And what we're trying to do is to change the conversation in America to allow the races to talk to each other in civil terms. And, um, last Wednesday, Jim, we got our numbers for the first two shows. We got 987,000 unique visitors. Wow. From 85 countries. And, and um, but we've, we've come across that people 
who didn't agree with certain things that were going on in the country uh, started to say they didn't agree with it, but were shot down and were called racist or homophobes or bigots or whatever. And they stopped talking and they shut down. And we came on and said, we're going to have a conversation, but this conversation is going to be, it's going to be uh, polite. It's going to be respectful. And, um, and the reaction has been just phenomenal that people were desperately looking for this show, this, this idea of, gee, my voice should count. It hasn't. But Mr. Perkins, on your program, you're allowing my voice to be counted or heard at least. That's awesome. And it's just, it's just amazing. Um, Songs and Stories is the, the, the foundation uh, continuing to get orders for more and more players from, for the veterans. Unemployment rate, Jim, is about a one full percent higher than the national unemployment rate. Suicide yep. rate has not come down. And um, so we're continuing to supply all the time MP3 players. I just finished on Saturday night my first romance novel, and, <laughs> and it's, it, it's amazing. So you should, Sean, I did, I did a trilogy on radical Islamic terrorism against the United States. And after the third book came out, people started sending me emails and saying, okay, so when's the, four, when's the next book coming out? And I said, do you understand a trilogy is three? I said, when's the next book? So I was forced to write a fourth book. Then I wrote, uh, we just finished uh, this past summer, uh, my first historical novel, which is called Abraham Lincoln and the Second Assassin. It took longer to write that book than the length of the Civil War. But that's that's in the edit right now, and the the new book, book that I just finished is called Sad Eyes, and it's his it's romance, and uh, we talk about market research. Uh, when I was getting ready to write my next book, I, I started figuring out who buys books, why are they buying them, what are the, what stories they like to have, and when is the time frame? Women, romance, Second World War, and that's what my story's about. It fits the fits the profile. Um, it's an amazing process, and I, I write uh, for probably thirty five different news blogs on current events, and I'm also a registered investment advisor, so I keep myself busy. And uh, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, this has been uh, tremendous, Sean. Thank you for doing Absolutely. this. And, uh, before we let you go, my friend, what 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 do you have coming up? Um, well, I mean, people can always visit my website, www.seancasemore.com. Lots of free resources there if they're interested in accelerating their sales and improving their sales. That's uh, lots of stuff there they can check out. I publish a weekly blog, lots of free resources there, newsletter um, and, and such that they can grab a hold of if they're interested. I also, um, but once every one month, I do a live virtual event on how to build your unstoppable sales machine. And they can uh, always sign up for that. It's free. It's at seancasemore.com forward slash event. Um, and as I mentioned, the last thing I'll say is uh, my latest book, The Unstoppable Organization, uh, is out. People can always check that out. And I'm working on my third book, uh, hoping that'll be out in the fall. Uh, and it'll be around the introducing the concept of unstoppable selling uh, which is what I've been calling the work I've been doing with clients. So lots of ways to check me out. Uh, and there's also a YouTube channel and podcast, which are both aptly titled uh, Sell More with Case More. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, well, Sean, this has been fun. Uh, Dan, I, I have enjoyed this as well. And uh, 
I will talk to you next week, Dan and Sean. I will be in touch, my friend. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan. Nice to meet you. You best, sir. Take care. Appreciate it, gentlemen. There they go. Sean Casemore and Dan Perkins, the fantastic Dan Perkins. Star stage and screen, Dan Perkins. And uh, that wraps it up here from our big program. We want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we're going to go back and fight with the scammers over on Fiverr. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-791-3232 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-791-3232. That's 800-791-3232. Employees of J.D. Milberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-913-8914. That's 800-913-8914. 800-913-8914. Are you getting the most out of your Medicare plan? Are you sure? You'll want to write down a very important phone number that can assure you're receiving your full benefits. Many people with Medicare are eligible for plans that include extra benefits, in addition to those found in original Medicare. Benefits like dental, vision, and prescription drug coverage. Call now at 1-800-521-7617 to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free and there's no obligation to enroll. In addition to hospital and medical coverage at no extra cost, you can also get coverage for prescription drugs, dental, hearing, vision, and more. In many areas, Plans with benefits are available with $0 copays for many services, $0 monthly premiums, or $0 deductibles. That's hospital, medical, prescription drug, dental coverage, and more included in one plan with premiums that may be as low as $0 a month. Call now to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free and there's no obligation to enroll. Call 1-800-521-7617. That's 1-800-521-7617. Moving can be one of the most stressful things you'll ever do. And at Moving APT, we specialize in taking the stress and strain out of your move. 
Whether you have a one-bedroom apartment or a 10-bedroom mansion, you can feel safe and confident that moving APT will get the job done. On time, hassle-free, and at the guaranteed lowest price. That's right, we will meet or beat any quote. That's our price match guarantee. At Moving APT, we never sacrifice quality or service. Licensed, bonded, and insured, you always get the best price. So if you're planning an out-of-state move within the next 30 to 60 days and you need a full-service moving company, you owe it to yourself to give us a call. We do it all, packing all your belongings, moving and unpacking. Leave the stress and strain behind and call Moving APT, America's number one interstate movers, now. For a free quote, give us a call. 800-209-9350. 800-209-9350. 800-209-9350. Hi, my name is Joe Cotton, publisher of Cotton's Technically Speaking, a weekly online investment letter. Don't ever buy a stock without looking at a two-year chart of the stock. Otherwise, you can't tell if you're buying at an historic high or low price. You can go to www.stockcharts.com to get the chart. Put in the stock symbol at the top of the page and make it an OHLC bars chart, not candlesticks. Change the volume to separate and uncheck the log scale. That's all you need to do. Join us here, and I believe there's Larry Hello, Tracy. James. How are you, sir? Larry, how are you, my friend? Oh, fine, James. Just looking forward to talking to you. Yes, yes. Well, let's start with uh, talking about the uh, the Biden administration, which is always a, a fun topic. Um, <laughs> they, you know... It's what in the military we would call a target-rich environment. Okay. <laughs> well, tell us about what they believe the border to be closed or open, or what is going on with this? Well, they, their um, their director has said the border is closed. Uh, the border, the director of uh, DHS. Yet there are pictures on television of people walking across, and. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's one of those things, who are you going to believe, the Biden administration or your lying eyes? I mean, the people are coming across, they're talking about it. I'm, I'm hearing this from uh, uh, Spanish-speaking friends uh, here in Washington area, uh, who somehow there's, there's sort of a, a grapevine coming in, and they, they uh, refer to Biden's whole proposal uh, in the campaign, and since the election, they call it la invitacion, which, of course, the invitation. And, of course, many of them before were sporting T-shirts that uh, said, Biden, let us in. <laughs> I don't know who paid for those. Ah, <laughs> yes. But the idea that the border is those closed. Are great. I mean, they, they stopped the construction of the wall. The border, people, the border control people have to be very careful. They can't come out publicly in doing it. But there's stuff coming through to the former Trump officials pointing it out, that the border is anything but closed. So you're going to have that uh, coming in. And what is really dangerous is not so much just the border. Of course, that's where they're coming in. But uh, they're being released throughout the country. They have not been tested. Uh, they could be super spreaders right there and coming in. And they're going on buses or planes to uh, various cities in the United States. It's, uh, I mean, if, if, if Trump had done something like this, they would have easily switched over on it. But... Uh, I think we can say categorically the border is anything but closed. It's probably more open than it has ever been at any time in our recent history. And how that's going to play out, uh, we don't know. I think it's hurting. It's going to hurt the Biden administration in border states. Texas is uh, pretty, pretty conservative to begin with. 
But Arizona has two Democratic senators who are both talking much more uh, as centrist and opposed to the filibuster and things like that. And then the cities, you've got Democratic congressmen that are in absolute opposition to what the administration is doing because they have to face the voters about that. So uh, why, why the Biden administration is taking a position that can so, so easily be disproved, but just by television cameras, I, I don't understand. But then a lot of things about the Biden administration I don't understand. We've got Larry Tracy with us today. He joins us live. Bring Home the Bacon is the latest from Larry. So uh, one of the things that happened during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and everything uh, was everybody was talking about Wuhan and its potential for future bio-warfare. What have you been hearing uh, with some of your sources? Well, one of the things that we see, and it, it's, it's coming out publicly... going back saying, well, he's not completely convinced that it's uh, completely caused by natural causes. So people are starting to back off on that. But this has been uh, my concern a lot of uh, retired military is that even if this were an, an accident, the Chinese military have looked at it and said, wow, look how we can paralyze the rest of the world. And there was a, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, there was a Rand Corporation war game simulation about what would happen if uh, China attacked uh, uh, Taiwan and we came to their rescue. And one of the things is that they would launch bio-weapons uh, bio against air bases and aircraft carriers and that to demobilize our people before they get the planes in there. So I, I just don't think the uh, Chinese military is ignorant of what the advantages that this comes to, even if it was a surprise to them. That will be part of their, uh, their toolkit in any future war. It is Larry Tracy. He's with us today here on our big program. So, Larry, will uh, will Mansion stay opposed to ending this filibuster, or will at some point uh, the donors or whoever controls this guy? <laughs> well, he, uh, Manchin is in a bit of a, a tough spot within the Democratic Party, but he has, I think it was just yesterday or the day before, he came out once again, even though he's, He's critical of the Republicans for their opposition to a January 6th uh, commission, and uh, that the Republicans are in a tough spot on that. He has also said that, that would in no way stop his views on the uh, the filibuster. He's he's a complete believer that that should remain so that the minority can can have a voice. And he's got to also he's a savvy politician. He's got to remember when he was elected in 2018, he got less than. Biden, I think I think Biden got 29 percent of the vote. West Virginia is possibly the most Republican state in the country right now, and so he he's got to be listening to his voters. I I don't think he if if he would switch over and say I've thought it through and maybe the filibuster has to go, uh, he would he would get the award as the hypocrite of the year. And Senator what's her name Senema in uh, Arizona 
has also come out with very strong statements that would make her look foolish. And Kelly, the new senator, who is up for re-election this year because he's uh, serving out the term of Senator McCain, uh, he has... So he's the... Uh, Buster is here to stay, and therefore... Not sure what happened to Larry Tracy there. Anti-filibuster, and I think he's he's uh, pretty well locked into that position. He said it again on Tuesday, and he, uh, he he's opposed to the Republicans blocking the January 6th commission, and I, I can understand the Republicans are in a very difficult spot on that uh, because it's, it's going to be uh, biased against them on it. But uh, I think Biden... Uh, the, Biden, I mentioned, and Senator Sinema, and even possibly Senator Kelly, who has to come up for re-election in 2022 because he's serving out John McCain's seat, uh, I think they're all going to be this way against it. And I've heard recently that Senator Lester from Montana is also, uh, Tester, Tester, is also uh, opposed to going away with the filibuster. So if it stays, none of these big plans of Biden are going to go through. And the infrastructure plan, the Republicans just put in their counteroffer, which is around, uh, I think, $900 million or so. But it's all towards infrastructure, not some of the Green Deal things that they've added onto it. So uh, the filibuster is, is really the savior of the country right now. And there'll be a big PR work against it, but I think it's staying. Well, uh, well, Larry, before we let you go, how do people get your book and get involved with what you're doing online, my friend? Well, listen, let me just say one thing, James. I know we're running over. Last week I was pretty emphatic uh, criticizing the 124 generals that had uh, uh, sent that uh, letter in on it. And it was, I think it was just basically that I get disgusted when I see the Republicans having their generals up and the Democrats having theirs. But as I reread that and the fact that the 124, and I read that they were uh, looking at and the fact that one of the people in there was an old friend of mine, a man for whom I have great respect as a soldier and as an intellect, Joe Stringham, uh, that he was on to it. I read it again, and what they were doing was voicing the same opposition to this political correctness within the military as the Air Force Lieutenant Colonel who was relieved of his command uh, because of writing a book. He was told, uh, if you see anything in here that is breaking out, in the ranks, let us know, and he did, but he criticized the other side, and there, it looks to be basically anybody who is for Trump, uh, you better not speak out loud. That, that's disgraceful to have that happen in the military, and so I, I want to retract my statement on that, and I'm, I'm for the 124 generals with, with what they said.